right, well, good evening, everyone. Tonight, uh, we come and we continue uh, our study in the book of Numbers. And tonight, we will actually conclude our time in Numbers for a short period of time. Uh, so we, uh, with that said, we will continue to look at the rest of chapter 16, starting in verse 41, and we will actually uh, look through the entirety of chapter 17 as well. Uh, so if you will just turn with me to Numbers chapter 16, and we will actually read the entirety of that passage, so we will start our scripture reading in verse 41, and we will read down through verse 13 of chapter 17. But before we do so, I'd like to ask you to go to the Lord in prayer with me. Well, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this time that you have allowed us to gather back together this evening and to look at your word even more deeply. Lord, I pray that you would just bless our time here this evening, that you would deepen our understanding of, of who you are, and as we look at this passage, I pray that by your Spirit you would grant us eyes to see and ears to hear that we may behold the wondrous truths that are here. And Lord, I pray that we would just apply these to our lives. Lord, that we might in some way be better servants for you. And Father, I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So Numbers chapter 16, starting in verse 41. The word of God reads, But on the next day, all the congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. And when the congregation had assembled against Moses and Aaron, they turned toward the tent of meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from the midst of this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put fire on it from off the altar and lay incense on it and carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. So Aaron took it, as Moses said, and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people, and he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700, besides those who died in the affair of Korah. And Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting when the plague was stopped. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and get from them staves, one for each father's house. From all their chiefs, according to their father's houses, twelve staves. And write each man's name on his staff, and write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi. For there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. And then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting, before the testimony where I meet with you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. 
Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and all their chiefs gave him staffs, one for each chief, according to their father's houses, twelve staffs, and the staff of Aaron was among their staffs. And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. And on the next day, Moses went in the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony, to be kept as a sign for the rebels, that you may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die. And thus did Moses, as the Lord commanded him, so he did. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish, we are undone, we are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord, shall die. Are we all to perish? Well, as we have been looking over the last uh, few months, actually, uh, from chapter 11 of the book of Numbers all the way to where we pick up uh, here tonight, has really been a sad story. Been a story uh, where we have seen the grumblings, the complainings, the murmurings, and the rebellion uh, of the people of Israel against Moses and Aaron. And, but ultimately, you know, that is ultimately against Yahweh, the Lord Himself. And last week, we saw yet again another account here uh, in the book of Numbers, and specifically uh, chapter 16. In this narrative, where we see another account of the rebellion of the people of Israel, and it was really one of the most astonishing of sort. And early on, if you will remember with me in chapter 16, as we looked at last week, the Levites come up and say, you know, we think we'd like to be priests. Right? Who are you who gets to decide who gets to be priests? We want to be priests. And then along with that Rebellion uh, comes within the camp of the sons of Levi, a nationwide, a people-wide revolt against Moses and Aaron. And they start complaining, Moses, you're a bad leader. Moses, you have brought us out of this wonderful, comfortable, exciting, free situation that we were in in Egypt, and you brought us here in the wilderness to die. And so we saw all these charges brought against Moses and Aaron. And so what happened? Well, if you'll remember with me, those leaders of the clans of the Levites who wanted to be priests and really thought they had the right to be priests apart from the Lord setting them apart for that role and calling them and electing them for that role, they were consumed by fire. The Lord said, you want to be priests, for me. That's fine. You go ahead. You go ahead and make some censors. Come on back and we'll see who's going to be priests. And so all of the ones who had illegitimately claimed a right to the priesthood were consumed by fire, which 
ultimately leads us here to where we are tonight in chapter 16. Now, most of our focus this evening is really going to be uh, on chapter 17. Uh, But for a brief moment, we will look at uh, verses 41 through 50 uh, to conclude our time in chapter 16. Uh, because really this passage just kind of goes together as a whole, uh, and so we're going to look at it uh, as such. And so the Lord uh, speaks to Moses and Aaron, starting in verse 45, saying, Get away from the midst of this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And so what's taking place here is Moses tells Aaron in the following verse, in verse 46, to take a censer from the altar and put fire in it from the altar and put incense on it. And for him to take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. And so what we will find in, in, this, in these verses is that Aaron did exactly what, what Moses had commanded of him. He ran out into the middle of the congregation and the plague had already begun and so he stood in between the living and the dead with the incense. And as soon as Aaron had done so, the plague, the wrath of God had stopped. But it did not stop before it had wiped out 14,700 people, as we read in this account. And that is besides those who died Uh, in the midst of the affair of Korah. And so, while Aaron was standing in the middle of the living and the dead, the plague had stopped. So now one thing I want to make note here, though, in the end of chapter 16, is by Moses commanding Aaron to do uh, this very act of of intercession uh, was really God's way of showing uh, the people of Israel that God is the one who appointed and called Moses and Aaron for his service, okay? And so now as we continue, as we come to chapter 17, which is going to be uh, the main uh, point of our focus here this morning, we kind of continue in this narrative where we're going to see is that God is going to be vindicating the ministry of Moses and the priesthood of Aaron. Something I want us to kind of look at as we do so uh, this evening, something I want us to glean from uh, this passage this evening as we look at this vindication uh, of the priesthood of Aaron and of the ministry of Moses is that true ministry comes from God himself. And we are also going to see looking at this passage why that is necessary why that is the case. So true ministry comes from God himself. We will also look at together why that is necessary. So if you will look back with me in chapter 17, at the first of five verses, the opening of verses of this text. And I just want to read those again saying, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and get them from them staves, 
each one for each father's house, from all their chiefs, according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. Write each man's name on his staff, and write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi, for there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. And then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. And so now, in the opening verses of chapter 17 is, is really the uh, beginning of a miracle that is designed by God and commanded by God himself, okay? And it's going to be done to show the people of Israel, the congregation of Israel, uh, whom, to show them whom God has chosen to be the leader and the priesthood of Israel, okay? And so he commands them, speaking to Moses, he commands them to get staves for each of their father's house. Okay, so they were to gather 12 staves, which represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And they were to write the names of the 12 tribes on each staff. But there was a very specific command in that Aaron's name was to be written on the staff of Levi. Okay, and so what would happen is through this miracle is God would declare which tribe possessed priestly authority by the choosing of one of the staffs. Okay? And all of this, keep in mind, all of this is done, right, in light of what we've seen in chapter 16 and in Korah's rebellion. All of this is done in light of all of that. Okay, and so and now in verses 4 through 5 of our text, uh, the staves were to be uh, placed in the tabernacle for God's uh, choosing. And so this is quite a miracle, uh, really, that is, is getting ready to take place because uh, this would be happening, the blossoming of these things would be happening uh, through dead wood, uh, which is quite a miracle. And so that is to speak of fruitfulness, right? The fruitfulness, this is a beautiful picture of fruitfulness and what happens when godly authority and leadership is practice, right? What happens when that is the case? Fruit is born. And so we see these staves placed in the tabernacle. And notice with me in verse 5, he says, I will make cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel. So he says, And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout, but thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel. Now, does this, does this mean that the people of Israel won't grumble again? Uh, no, it does not. What it does mean is that the Lord would no longer regard their murmurings, okay? But instead, he would judge uh, their murmurings. He would judge their murmuring. So the Lord 
is going to give them an unmistakable answer to this matter, and then he will rid himself of their murmuring. So the Lord is going to prove by this very miracle, he is going to prove that he has set Moses and Aaron over the people of Israel, and he is going to rid himself of their murmurings. Their murmurings he will count, he will no longer regard. And so that makes us come to verse 6. And in verses 6 through 9, we actually see the miracles taking place. And so after God has told Moses what to do and what he is going to do, what God himself is going to do, we then find in these verses God performs this miracle and then he displays the very miracle. And he makes sure that Moses shows the entire congregation of Israel. And so in verses 8 through 9, Moses walks into the tabernacle the next day. After the staves had already been placed in the tabernacle, Moses walks in the tabernacle the next day to find that the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and brought forth buds and blossoms and almonds. But not just almonds, ripe almonds. And friends, something I just want to point out here is the Lord could have just done really just a very simple miracle here in the sense that he could have just had a green sprout come forth on Aaron's staff. And that in itself would have been convincing enough. But no, to use the language of Acts chapter 1 verse 3, the Lord used many proofs, right, to demonstrate his approval of Aaron's priesthood. So it brought forth buds, and, but not only did it bring forth buds, it brought forth blossoms. And not only did it bring forth blossoms, but it yielded almonds. And not that it just yielded almonds, but it yielded ripe almonds. And so, friends, something I think we can see over and over again in the Scriptures and, and in our lives is, is God gives us more than enough evidence to believe and to trust Him. And our, or let me just own it for myself, my issue is a lack of willingness to see what He has made so evidently clear. And so, friends, what makes this miracle so miraculous, what makes it so, um, so awful, if you will, is that there, there is nothing remarkable about wood uh, producing buds and blossoms and fruit. The remarkable thing is that it's a piece of dead wood doing this. It is a piece of dead wood producing buds producing blossoms and ripe almonds in a single night after sitting in a tent. That's remarkable. That's a miracle. One commentator wrote, Miracles in the Bible 
are often the sort. Natural events in unnatural conditions, timing, and placement. And so friends, God choosing Aaron through this miracle did not mean that he was the most spiritual man in the nation, but God's choosing of Aaron was solely based on his infinite wisdom and goodness. And Aaron was God's chosen priest, and the nation of Israel was to recognize it. They were to recognize God's chosen man. So, now we come to verse 10. Verses 10 through 11, we see the miracle is preserved and explained, right? So here we see the preservation of the staff of Aaron. And the point of this preserving of the staff of Aaron was to remind the children of Israel that God had chosen a priesthood. And that absolutely... No one or nothing would change that. And so there's a a beautiful picture here, friends. I think we can see that Aaron's staff was to be kept in the Ark of the Covenant as another example of Israel's failure and rebellion. And so when God looked down in the Ark, right, what would he see? He saw the emblems of Israel's sin, the tablets of the law that were broken, the manna that they complained about, and Aaron's staff, which was meant to answer their rebellion. And so then the covering blood of sacrifice was applied to the lid, covering over these reminders of Israel's sin. And so when God saw the blood covering their sin, He saw the atonement that was made. And friends, that is what God has done for us in Christ. Christ has covered a multitude of sins for the chosen and elect people of God because God, just like He chose Aaron, chose Christ to be the high priest who would intercede on our behalf because we are in need of such intercession. Because we, like the people of Israel, are wicked, we're sinful, we've grumbled, we've murmured, we've complained, we've done this and we've done that, we've rebelled against God and we need an intercessor on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 through 10 say this, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Friends, the Lord has chosen 
Christ to be our intercessor, our mediator. Christ is our high priest. And Aaron is just a foreshadowing of that. Aaron is a foreshadowing of that. So we see the miracle is designed and commanded by the Lord. Then we see the miracle taking place, right, in verses 6 through 9. And then we see the miracle preserved and explained, and now it gets left. It's the reaction of the children of Israel. So now we finally come to the end of, of chapter 17. And as we looked at in the first 11 verses, just that the main thing I want to just stress there, the main thing I want to stretch throughout those first 11 verses is that ministry, right, Aaron, the priesthood, was appointed by God himself. And no one and nothing could and will ever change that. And so God chooses whom he wants, right? Whom he desires for his goodwill and for his plan and for his purposes. And so now as we come into the closing verses of our text, we're going to see the reaction of the people of Israel uh, to this miracle, this miracle that is taking place. And through this reaction, I hope we can see why it's necessary that God be the one who appoints those whom he sees fit ministry. So the people reacted, right? They, they reacted after they had seen this wonderful miracle that had been brought about, that had been designed, and that had been commanded by the Lord himself. And how did they react? They said, behold, we perish, we are undone, we are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? And so this is their reaction. Right? And so after, after seeing all of what the Lord had did in the, rebellion, in the rebellion of Korah, destroying Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, along with their 250 followers among the leading men of Israel, right? the retrieval and hammering out of the censers for covering in the altar, and the plague that had destroyed 14,700 people of those who sympathized with Korah and his followers, and the miraculous confirmation of Aaron's priesthood, the people feared that they would be judged next, and rightfully so, and so this is their reaction. This is their reaction. Behold, we perish. We are undone. We are all undone. So after all of this is taking place, this is their reaction. Now, since they were convicted of their sin and they now, they were clearly knew it was wrong for them to rebel against the leadership of Moses and Aaron. But what is, what is the point of all? What, what, what can we glean from this? 
The reason that God alone points those whom he sees fit into the ministry is because it is him alone who can save. It is him alone who can save. See, friends, we, we cannot save ourselves. We know this, right? If we, if we are going to enjoy God, if we are going to engage with God, if we are going to have fellowship with God, if we are going to have communion with God, it is only going to be on the terms which He alone proposes, which He alone ordains, and in the way He alone makes. Why? Because we are the problem. We're the problem. God is not the problem. And we have a problem that we can't solve because we're the problem. And so if the problem is going to be solved, guess who's going to do it? God himself. So where am I going with all of this? Several years ago, some of you may have watched the sad and awful spectacle of the Michael Vick trial. It was a pretty big thing going on. Uh, it was really just pretty sad to watch. I, I was very young. I just remember glimpses of it. But I remember as I got older, some of my friends, we were, you know, we were big football statistic nerds, right? So that's all we talked about. And Michael Vick would come up every now and then because nobody could argue with his statistics. And he was a good football player. But, right, the situation with him arose. So we went uh, through this trial, very sad trial. And some of you may remember, and some of you may have watched the public statements that were made. Well, if you did, one of the most striking uh, public statements from his trial that uh, he announced at a press conference uh, was indeed this statement. He said, quote, saying, I will redeem myself. I will redeem myself. That was a, that was a striking statement uh, to be made. And someone who is on trial like that, someone who is going through something like that, says of himself, I will redeem. Well, friends, I wanted to say that, I wanted to bring up that, uh, to simply bring up the point that theologically, no one can do that. No one can do that. And this is the whole point of this passage. Right? You can't redeem yourself. Only the person that God has appointed for your redemption can redeem you. You cannot do it yourself. And so, who is that person of whom Aaron and his priests were only a faint foreshadowing of? Who was that? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, when anyone else says there are many ways to God and many different roads that lead up the mountain, what's God's answer to that? No, I appoint the way back into my 
presence because you are the one who has broken the fellowship. You're the sinners. You can't solve this problem. Only I can for you. And the way I have chosen to do so is only through my son, Jesus Christ, which is why the apostles could say that there is no other name under heaven whereby a person can be saved, only through Jesus Christ. And where Jesus himself can say in John's gospel, in chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. And so, friends, that is a huge lesson that is displayed in all of those obscure priestly laws in the first five books of the Bible. And so why is it that only priests can go and offer the offerings and take in the incense and serve in the capacity as intercessors and mediators for the people of God? It is because it is the only way into God's presence. And it is the way He has ordained and it is the way He has proposed. other way. Only God can and will through whom he has anointed can do so. And ultimately that has been done through the person and work of Christ. Who is greater heir who was one to come to ultimately be the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world but also to be the great high priest of the people of God. That Christ is our all sufficient prophet, priest, is the ultimate fulfillment of all of those prophecies we see in Scripture. He's the perfect fulfillment. Amen? Amen. Will you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ. Thank you that you not only have chosen by your grace to reveal to us who you are in your word, but you have chosen to reveal to us your plan of salvation. And all throughout uh, the Old Testament, we see priests and we see prophets, we see kings on behalf of God come. And Lord, as we come to the New Testament, what we see is Christ. And when we look at Christ, we see all of those ultimately fulfilled, perfected in Him. He is sufficient prophet, priest, and king. So Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you for uh, those in 
very revelation of what you have so granted to us. God, I pray that as we look at your word even more deeply throughout our lives, Lord, that the gospel would become sweeter and sweeter. Lord, that we would constantly be reminded of what you have done on our behalf through Christ. And Lord, we pray that for those of us that are in Christ, for those of us that have embraced him, repented of our sins, and are following him faithfully, I pray that you continue to give us grace to do so and to help us do so faithfully. Lord, we pray all of this in Christ's name.